Welcome to Behind the Scenes of the Metal Detective. I'm your AI host, Sam. In this episode, we'll talk to the human behind the exhilarating sound design, sound designer Nicholas Hewitt. Before we begin, let's mix it up. I quite like this one. Welcome, Nicholas. Oh, hi there. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing well. So let's jump right in and discuss your work on the Metal Detective. The sound design plays a crucial role in creating a fully immersive world for the listener. Can you tell us about your initial approach to this project and how you plan to design the sound effects? Yeah, uh, so um, when we first started on it, um, the director, Forrest, um, he'd kind of gone on a pass of his own um, where he had some ideas that he dropped into the storyline um, as well as, uh, as uh, music pieces that we used in the show. Um, and so we did that as well as, you know, just thinking about, you know, what all is the, you know, at, at what, to what degree do you go when you're designing for something like this, when you're in a sound world? Because, um, you know, at one level it's, you know, you, you know, what you'd see in a movie or something like that. If you did sound design for a movie, you, you have a lot that the brain does for you because you can see the picture happening. Um, but in this, we had to realize how in depth we were going to go with everything um, since we're aiding so much of it without picture. Um, so there was a lot of kind of preliminary discussion about how far we went with it. Um, we did some like test bits of like how to do this or that. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, and then a lot of it was, you know, uh, we had some pieces together from from the director and then uh, and then I just kind of expanded on that um, uh, along with everything. The soundscape of this cyberpunk noir series is incredibly complex and nuanced. Can you share some insights into how you sourced or created the various sound effects that we hear throughout the series? In that, were you able to use assets already available or did you have to create sounds from scratch? Yeah, um, so the... You know, it was a mix of both. So there, there were there were certain things that we had already um, that we could just work with. Um, but one of the big things that we went that we were working with was um, uh, the weaponry. So uh, the, the the firearms, uh, the shotgun, in the opening sequence. Um, our whole approach was that um, <clears throat> it's this. You know, it's it's kind of noir, but it's the future. And so our big thing we wanted to do is you know like just future you have you know like laser guns or whatever and and that's one thing you could do um but the big thing we wanted to do was really put people with everything that's happening in this world and so uh the director and i really agreed that we wanted to make it so that it was all of the weaponry was based in analog technology right what firearms are now um and then we were going to expand on that to make it technological um and uh, so like it, like one of the best ones for that was like the shotgun in the opening sequence is about eight tracks of sounds that make up a shotgun it's not we, we had a really great sound bite that started it um of just a really good classic shotgun sound uh being cocked and fired um and then i went in and you know we added like a a, a wind up element to it so that the cock happens and then you hear the the electronical like um build up for it and 
like kind of like this exudation of the of the electrical energy and then the sound of the shotgun reverberating around the area And so it, you know, it ended up being this very layered piece was like the shotgun in particular. And then like the, the, the weaponry that, um, Jack has, um, and, uh, Grimes have in the show are both like the stand, we kind of like, that's the standard police issue gun. So they have like a, like a Glock or something like that. And then that was just a little bit more minor. It just had a small wind up to it and then it fired. Um, uh, and it wasn't as deep. It was only like three layers or something like that to that. Um, and then, um, and then there are characters like um, uh, Randall Hoover, who's a cowboy. And so the cowboy we just used a classic, actual revolver pistol sound with no modification at all because he's old school. Um, and uh, and similarly, the Detective Schumann also has just a normal uh, gun as well, which is specifically talked about in the in the show, um, uh, in uh, the opening scene of uh, the second episode. So, you know, a lot of it was you know you, we fleshed out all of those elements. There's like you know the weaponry was a big one that had many layers to it, um, and then you know and then on top of that, it was just about adding just like kind of like the electrical current sounds around normal things so like when they're in an elevator it's an elevator but like i had like a kind of just like a weird droney tone that makes it not quite sound like an elevator um uh and there's like a kind of like a suction sound when the doors open and close that was like very like you know star wars star trek idea of like the kind of thing but um but we but we put it with like a standard door sound it just was part of it had that that element of you know sealing better than like an elevator would uh normally and those are like the really big ones i think we're we're into into layers that way so wow that sounds like a lot of work but hopefully it was lots of fun as well oh yeah so in this project the spatial relationship between sounds is a key consideration if you want the listeners to feel immersed in this world and direct their minds to create the desired visual elements. Can you discuss your approach to spatial relationship? Absolutely. Um, that's a great question, Sam. Uh, it, <laughs> that was like one of, I mean, that was like one of the top tier favorite things of this process was um, Forrest, the director and I, uh, we sat side by side and worked through a lot of the build for like the first episode. Um, and then I kind of took what we had worked with and, and incorporated it into the, into the later episodes. And one of the things that was so much fun for it was we designed most of this in binaural, uh, headphone mix. Um, uh, it's, it's mixed to work in an Atmos, you know, full theatrical setting is how, you know, Charlie mastered it to be. Um, but, um, you know, we mixed a lot of it on the headphones because our different spaces that we work in don't necessarily have all of the sound space, right? So like the work in is a seven one room, the mastering room is the Atmos suite. So it doesn't have the upper speakers. And so things don't quite 
plate. So we mix a lot of it in, in binaural because that gave us, and the fun thing about the binaural is it gives you the full 360 degree sphere of sound to work in. Um, even when it translates to the Atmos setup, you're getting, you know, half of a sphere in that way. Oh, great, you're technically still in the half a sphere. There's no sounds coming from below you. Um, but, uh, but you know, uh, the, the sounds are still connected to speakers in the room. In the binaural mix, the sound is continuous. And, and so one of my favorite, one of our favorite things to work on during this one was uh, Forrest and I would approach a scene and we would be like, okay, where are the people in this scene? And we would literally place those voices coming from those locations in the sound field. Um, uh, when it came to like mixing it down, we ended up mixing it more like a movie in the fact that all of the vocals came from the center channel uh, uh, and everything. But like, as we built it, we, we fully built everything. So like when the voices all went back to that, we played more with where everything else was in the room. So it's like, we were like, okay, so we're in this car that's driving down the road. Um, where's the robot? driver i mean he's up here and to the left and then and then where are we we're sitting right with you know like the the big thing that we had was where is the viewer in all of these scenes right it's like are we locked shot where you know this scene is happening and we're just like you know watching from the bar or something like that when they're sitting at the bar are we sitting you know off to one side watching the scene are we like from the bartender's side of the bar and you're like the camera shot is looking at the three of them next to each other having a conversation or are we right on the shoulder of somebody while they're having these conversations? Um, and so like a lot of the group scenes, we ended up having it be that we were like in a locked shot looking at something and the field was, the voices were all still in the center channel, but we like just skewed them just left and right of the center channel. So you had this little bit of separation between the conversations, um, especially because we had three people in the show that had a very similar voice. And so, and there was like only like, there were like two scenes where they're actually having a conversation actively with Jack. And you're like, oh, wait, who's, which person was saying? And so we did the kind of separation to help with that as well. Um, and, uh, and then a lot of the show we kind of agreed was that we're just sitting on Jack's shoulder. The viewer is right there with Jack. Um, so much of the show is being heard from Jack's perspective. Um, and uh, uh, that was like a big part of how we how we approached that that aspect of the sound design for sure was we we literally said, okay, where is you know, where's this? We'd start a scene we're like, okay, where are we? Where's the viewer? And uh, you know, where's where is the room in connection to this conversation that we're having? Um, and we had a lot of fun with the top speakers being, uh, there's this, there's this constant array of um, the the canon music of the hotel. There's like the chintzy that Arthur has picked for the hotel that's constantly playing all the time. And we ended up putting all of that music fully coming out of the top speakers because it would be coming out of the speakers on the ceiling of the of the room. Um, and then specific ones would be like uh, like um, uh, uh, Duffy and Amanda have a radio in their room. And there's other sequences where like there are other people who are in their rooms and they have like a radio. We actually located that specific sound of the radio to one area in the sound field. So like it's like it's in the left corner of the room and we literally put the music just coming from that left corner of the room. And then, you know, sometimes the music was just an underscore and then we just had it everywhere. Um, but then we would so we got to play with the underscoring of the music as well as the locationing of the music to a specific spot in a room.
um, which was a lot of fun with the whole uh, three-dimensional sound ability to do that um, uh, with, with, with the design. So There's so much going into it that we take for granted by just letting the experience happen. How does sound design for an audio drama like The Metal Detective differ from sound design for a film or television production? Were there unique challenges that you had to overcome? What are some particular scenes that come to mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest challenge with this one was where do you stop? Um, uh, uh, so, like I said before, it's the there's a huge thing of when you're watching a film, and I've done sound design on film too, and when you do that, there's so much that you can just like introduce and then fade it away, or or just don't have to do because it's clearly noticeable. When you're in this world, the biggest challenge for sure is how, like you have to fill all of that in and it's harder to introduce something and fade it out because sometimes now it's lost. Um, and like, you know, if it's like a conversation where the two people are having a conversation and they're walking in a film, you would have the walking be like, you know, maybe four steps and then fade it out and that's all you need because your brain's just like, oh yeah, they're walking. Um, but in this one, especially if we're like going through different rooms, there's a scene in the first one where um, they're in an alleyway, Jack and, and this guy are in an alleyway, and then they walk into a restaurant, they go past the kitchen section into the main area where the patrons are, and then through the front door of the restaurant out into the street in front of it and up to a car that's approaching. And with that, you want the sound to carry through the whole time from the sound of them rushing, like quickly walking, and then they slow down once they realize that they're not being pursued. And, um, and then they continue to walk after that. Um, and, you know, just the idea of footsteps would not necessarily need to be constantly present in a movie uh, or a TV show. Whereas in this, we had to kind of keep it the whole time because with only having the dialogue to work with, you need to keep filling in that, you know, like, especially as you open to new locations, like you hear the doors open, you're like, okay, we're still walking. Where are they standing in the open doorway or something? Inside, go! Move, there's an auto cab out front. We can hide in the walk-in. Call the cops. They are the cops. <sighs> It'll take you to a friend in Jersey. They'll have you set up with a new ID and teach you how to disappear. My advice, don't come back here. I still don't understand. I'm just a cook. I keep my head down. I don't even know anybody. It's not who you are. It's what you are. And what are you? One of the good ones. Cop. Thank you. So it, it more helps to you know storytell, right? It, it it helps to carry the storytelling with it is the sound, um, but also it's it's you know where do you stop is is the other part of the whole, thing, which is you know like a great example is the opening sequence, the big prologue sequence, um, is there's so much going on in the opening sequence, and that was what I started with, and 
you know, like I got into all of it. And then as I was done with it, I'm like, okay, this was great and it's fantastic, but it doesn't need to be this much the whole time. Um, because it can be jarring too, you know, it's like when you're that in that much of an immersive thing, you know, you, you still want to let the audience, you know, create their own imagery somewhat, right? And, and so with that, there's the elements of, you know, we have people, you know, walking or whatever like that, but like, what was an example of it was, um, oh, the diner. So the diner in the first one is right where I started to shift away from it because as uh, not necessarily that it was like a thing that needed to be like, like do less, like still doing a lot. It's just not uh, filling in the gaps that aren't necessary to be filled in that sound field. Um, and so like for the diner, it's, it was, okay, I just had a murmur tone of people talking and Schumann approaching from the door. There's like a fryer in the background. And then there's the robot waitress who's walking around. Uh, I had fun kind of doing her design a lot, but that was a big thing was like, that's an example of going almost too far with it is that I put like, I had so many sound effects of like her little like intricacies of her move is doing things. Um, and it was super fun to do, but I was like, okay, there's another a layer of this that we don't need to completely tell the audience every single thing that's happening. We like, we like to let them, you know, imagine a bit of it on their own. And and you know have comparison things that they can connect to so like you have bishop in the top of the show um and everybody on the ship and then um and then the dark man later is what like how forrest and i said he's the same model he's the same model newman as bishop from from the opening scene which is why his breathing is the same so he sounds the same even though he may be hit. um but like that's how we kind of piece it together in that way. Um, so yeah, it's definitely the, the, the biggest challenge was getting everything you needed in there to properly communicate the story, but also knowing where to hold off and let the audience imagine certain things for themselves. Um, uh, because I'm certain, you know, we, we, of course we had the, the, uh, the website that was made for the, for the Bradbury Patel and you, and you have the, 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 um, the artwork stuff that 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 uh, that was pieced together for all of the characters and everything like that. But even if people don't see that, everybody has in their own mind what all these characters look like and what the Newmans look like. Um, and and you know, and that's a very fun part of this immersive audio experience. You know, it's like it's like you we 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 give you enough to uh, to like put that image in your mind and then let your brain keep the visual because we're letting them create the visual we're not creating the visual with the sound right like the sound is aiding your mind into going into that imaginary space can you tell us about some of the films or television shows that have influenced your work on this project are there specific sound designers or productions that inspired your approach mm -hmm. um uh well so there's also video games for sure that inspired me on this one um uh, uh, a big one would be Detroit Become Human, um, which was a, a game on the PlayStation um, that was a very, you know, in-depth kind of storytelling thing where you're playing as these android characters. Um, and uh, a lot of, for me, what the, the mimic 
bots and and the new ones were like in this world i correlated to the to the androids in in uh in detroit become human um uh as far as sound was concerned a big one for me that kind of helped me with the noir future world was um, altered carbon from netflix uh, and uh forrest and i both shared that one of uh, that was a big inspiration for both of us specifically on the weaponry that i described was um the weaponry in in altered carbon was one that we that was like our biggest thing we're like those are still analog but they're like railgun like railgun pistols which is really cool as a concept and so you know the a lot of my inspiration for building the weaponry came from just how a lot of the guns behave in altered carbon um, i loved the sound design for the 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 guns in that and a lot of the sound design in the show in general um so that was a big one uh that helped a lot um, and then, you know, thematically, there was a lot of, uh, you know, inspiration taken from Detroit Become Human, which kind of touches on some ideas um, with the, you know, the very human-like nature of the androids um, to the fact that, you know, if they don't, if you don't know, uh, you can't tell that they're just another human, um, uh, which, you know, correlates back to, to Blade Runner or something like that. And, um, uh, but I think definitely the my biggest inspirations were, were kind of those those things and then just like the classic noir games or like noir uh movie kind of things where it's just the you know black and whitey kind of like edgy feel to it and you know it's it's a mystery, right like the story is a mystery um and uh kind of playing with 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 that um and then there are horror aspects as well and um i'm a big fan of horror and uh and you know the things that again that that's you know like the the apex of you know making your brain imagine things that aren't there um and you know comparatively like my favorite kind of horror movies are are horror movies where they don't show you everything right there's not a whole floor everywhere everything like that it's all in the sounds that you hear and then your mind does it itself and usually your mind does it way worse than just showing it to people um and uh and so playing with that which is why we had a, like you know i had a lot of fun with when we get into the later episodes with the horrible murders happening to people uh, and uh, and you know building those out as well um, and you know making you you know like have having elements of the horror thing right where like uh, like when Hoover gets attacked by all of the bugs um, you know we allude to it first right and make your mind start to be uneasy about it. it's like he walks into the room here the scuttle 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 and and then you know the scuttles start like flying around behind him um and and then you know like then of course the sound takes over the whole thing um or or the one that i that i want to do even more with and and you know develop more so which is um the twins um and, you know playing with elements of the twins getting into that horror vibe of like when when molten's by herself in the room and gets attacked at the end of the third episode and you have um like you know the pitter patter of the feet as they're running around no and uh you know and i would want to play more with that so that it really has you know the that really horror aspect where like you're sitting there and then you you know hear the little whisper behind your head or the the actually right behind your head like we were playing with it in the sound feel a bit but there's there's more that can be done with it as well um to to develop that idea even further so in a series like The Metal Detective, 
Sound not only sets the scene, but also helps to define characters. Can you share an example of how you used sound effects to achieve this? Well, you know, like, I think like uh, as far as, um, you know, s sound design being intrinsic to a character specifically, um, there's the Newmans, right? So you have the sound of Bishop um, uh, or, or the fun that we had with, with the robot guys that are just robots, right? And they all clearly have robotic sounds that they make. Um, you know, like elements are like, uh, with the, like, you know, when you're designing the footsteps for different people, like, you know, like uh, Scarlet had a very slow walk, very poised and she's, and it's in heels. Um, Jack is always in like combat boots. And then, um, you know, like you have Hoover and he's in cowboy boots. So, so, you know, like those are like the footsteps to communicate those elements. Collaboration is obviously a key in any production. Can you talk about your working relationship with the director and other members of the production team and how you worked together to achieve the final sound design? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of my a lot of my collaboration was with Forrest. Um, uh, uh, with, you know, he you know, he, we both had the two of us sitting in the room together for several days when we built the first episode. Um, and then we would have like a long zoom chat or something like that afterwards where we actually did the same thing but we just broke it down list wise so i'm like okay in this scene where are the people and in this scene we're and uh and so we you know a lot lot of collaboration between the director and i on building this because also we're we were like you know in a you know there are other audio dramas out there that are also very good at elements of what we were doing and um, and create that idea, but there are layers to what we're doing that's new ground, and um, and so there's a lot of like uncharted territory. Like, how do we, um, you know, how do we flesh this out to the best of our ability? And and so with that, there was a lot of collaboration having to be between the director and I, like both as we're figuring out where it's going and and you know what we want to communicate in the scenes. Um, and, you know, and the emotional journey that we're going on and, you know, because we're wanting to tell the story as well as, you know, we don't want to just be like a, we don't want to be gimmicky, right? We don't want the whole thing to be a bit gimmicky. Here's what we can do with binaural sound and three-dimensional sound space. Like we're telling a story We and like, that's why I love the opening sequence and how big it is, but I, I love even more everything beyond the opening sequence because the opening sequence kind of, you know, pitches the ball. And then, and then everything else is just about being in the world, right? Like it's like it's it's not about we're whizzing things past your head because we're in the sound field. You know, it's the three dimensional thing, right? It's the it's the three D movie thing, right? We don't like you know. There's the gimmick thing of you know people reach out towards you, and that's that's cool. But we just like you know like we just want to be in the world, right? It's like we don't need to be like a, a brace, um, um, you know. It doesn't need to be abrasive. And so I loved just building. The, just sitting in the full environment, right? The whole dome of sound. And you know, like when you close your eyes, you can just be sitting there on the ship with them as things are happening. Um, it was a lot of collaboration with the director um, and, uh, and with Charlie, the, the, the final mixer as well. Um, as, as you know, he and I both would then sit down, you know, when we, when we did the final mix of the whole thing, we were, we were balancing what we'd done and, you know, he, of course, has his approach to get things where they need to be 
for final production. Um, and then we're both communicating about elements that I'm carrying from Forrest and I's work um, and then my work into making sure that all of that is still there. Um, and it was having that, having that conversation about introducing something and ducking it out, which is a very film forward thing to do. And, um, you know, Charlie really wanted to do that for some of these things. And I was like, we can't because it, then, then you lose it, right? Then you lose elements of it if we introducing it and fading it out, because without it, you're in an empty space and just hearing voices talk. Um, like, you know, cause like some of it's the backgrounds too, like backgrounds get introduced and faded out too, in certain films and everything like that. Um, and in this one, it's like sound is all we have to carry people where they're going. Um, so we have, it's all sound. So we can't fully duck it out as much. Uh, and so that was a big, a big uh, collaboration piece as well. What advice would you give to other sound designers who are considering a similar project? There is a place for, you know, the, the really abrasive, powerful elements. Um, but then there's also just don't worry, like feel comfortable just sitting in a world, like build a sound world and let the audience imagine it, right? You don't need to throw everything at them. Um, and again, you know, like it's all about where do you stop? Where do you start? There's so much you can do with where it is now, right? You just, you have so much to play with as far, like, I mean, like in and out and all around and up and up and down. Like, it's like, there's so much to do. And so you don't like overwhelm yourself, you know, like focus on one thing and like build that out. And then it, you know, the rest kind of fills in around that, you know, the big thing that I focused on was, you know, the intricacy of like, you know, like the, one of the first things I made was the shotgun in the opening sequence. It was like, you know, like that was feeling it out. Um, and then, you know, beyond that and, you know, and, and the robots moving in the, in the beginning, in the diner, so like, you know, like that's feeling it out a bit. And that was the big time constraint. And then, you know, and then other stuff creating the environment around it kind of falls into place as you start just being like, what does this need? Like, what does this sequence need to fully communicate that? Um, like, like one of my um, favorite scenes in the whole thing when we finished it was was um, the 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 murder suicide in um, in the fourth episode, um, which was you know in that one there's so like compared to some of the other sequences where there's so much going on, there's actually very little that happened in that sequence, but that was all it needed. Nobody has seen or heard from Cromwell in years. He's here. I'm telling you, he's here. Something's felt off about this place from the beginning. The storm is getting to you. We just saw an IMAX screening of Red Wednesday. Don't tell me it's the fucking storm. A prank. Some activist getting his jollies by spooking the powerful. Just tell me this. Was the speech invite even real, or did I walk into a trap? It was confirmed three times. How? <gasps> Email. Jesus Christ. Find a way to get me out of this hotel. I don't care if there's a Cat 7 outside. Call for a goddamn tank if you have to. Just get me the fuck out of here. What's this? It wasn't there a minute ago. Does that say, play me?
Crow. What are you watching? She told me she was older. Where'd the gun come from, Crow? It was just sitting there, waiting for me. Because you're a fucking rapist! What on earth are you talking about? I saw you on the video force yourself on that girl! Don't say it like that. How many were there? For God's sake, you're playing right into his hands. This is Cromwell's doing. Put the gun down, Crow. Come on, Stephen. Come on, Stephen. No, no, no! And I devoted my life to you. That sequence, every time I listen to it, still just like get and I still flinch at both of the shots. Like, again, like, and the gunshots are like not super elaborate, like the shotgun was, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's still analog based because we wanted like the fiddling to be part of the edginess and the building of the scene, um, and like the shaking of somebody holding a gun while they're emotional, and, um, and, and then it's just got a little wind up sound and then a little shock sound when it fires. Um, but there's just like so much, there's so much negative space given to the sound for that, that like the gunshot, like just hits you and you're like, ah, oh, oh no. Um, and then there's like, there's like the subtle little things in there, which is like, there's a really great piece of music, of course, that's carrying through it. Music is a wonderful way to carry a scene through and build the emotion of a scene. Um, and then there's just like two very subtle sound effects, which is like this little sound effect that I made for like the hollow deck. Like uh, a Star Wars little hollow projector thing was just like a thing that I used as like this little, like like little like sound and uh, and uh, and like a little bit of like an old timey projector sound, but much much farther down. So you just have this like this just like that little sound, like just like the ambient sound of the room, and then this music piece, so that conversations happening and building, and then the gunshots just cut through it, and you're like, oh whoa. And, uh, and you know and then like leaving um another real thing i love to do and that i always recommend is like don't cut something out right when you're building sound don't think that you need to just sever it unless you're severing it for a specific reason but i mean like you know like when a scene ends you don't need to end the scene you can just let it you know we've blacked out like if it's a movie right it's like we've blacked out and there's still a little bit of the sound that's still there and that's even more so when it's in this sound world so like in many instances that usually ended the episodes or whatnot, I would have, you know, it's not like there's this big murder thing that just happened in the bathtub and now um, the, the sound is gone and then there's still like the little drip of the tub water once the set has gone out before the end credit music kicks in. Uh, or like in that scene in the fourth episode where there's this, you know, there's like been this whole thing and then the gunshots finish and the, and the clump of somebody falling and then there's just a little fade out in the dead space where you just hear the little projector sound continuing to happen. Scene, well, there's nobody else in the room now. They're both dead. Um, so like the air, those air moments give you the goosebumps to sit there and be like, what? like, and, and especially when it's like this too, you know, like when it's visually being shown to you, your brain can adapt. But like when you're doing these sound things and they're big moments, you need to f sit a little bit at the end so that the brain catches up and it's like, okay, just happened wow 
and then we have that little you know sound whoosh our little transition musics from from uh from our music from our composer and you know like those little whooshes that go between a scene to then move to the next thing so it'd be fair to say to follow the advice that less can be more in this situation oh yeah oh yeah it's going to absolutely be more, 100%. And perhaps don't listen to this while operating a vehicle in heavy traffic. Ah, yes, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nico, for being with us today and sharing some of your secrets. Yes, absolutely. That was a blast. And to our listeners, to find out more about Nico Hewitt and the rest of our amazing cast and crew, please visit bradburyhotel.com. As always, we hope you've enjoyed the show and we ask that you follow, share and review. Till next time, stay curious.